welcome to our Reframe podcast, where a few of us from the church get together and we talk about different things going on in today, around today's society, or something about the Bible or a topic that is really important. And this time, we want to talk about hope with the election ending, with the various things happening right now, with Thanksgiving coming up and Christmas just after that. Hope is a topic that is on a lot of our minds, especially if you're feeling hopeless with the the results of the election, or very hopeful with the results of the elections, depending which way you voted. And um, as we're just talking about that, I just want to bring that up with us today. Um, I'm Pastor Jason. We have Pastor Victoria and Pastor Parker. And so we're going to be talking about this topic of hope. And um, with this week, what do you two think about this word hope? How does that resonate with you? It has been an interesting week to say the least. Um, I've been more aware, I think, probably more than ever in the last couple of years, just of the hope that I have um, and the importance of where I'm placing my hope uh, that matters a great deal to the way that I respond to things or react to things, depending on where that is. But I know when I was watching the election coverage on uh, Tuesday the 3rd in the evening, um, I just sensed a real sense of the Lord's presence and peace. Um, I know everything has been super turbulent and like polarizing lately, especially uh, with this with this election. There's a lot at stake. Um, but I, I just, like I said, have been aware and be, been able to rest in the fact that um, my hope is seated with Christ in the heavenlies. Um, and, and while I'm very much a, a part of this world in the here and now, and we have responsibility in the here and now, ultimately my citizenship uh, lies in the kingdom of heaven and with, with Jesus. So that's really just allowed me to, um, to be okay and to have peace in the midst of this. I feel like uh, it would be really easy to be hopeless uh, and and sit in a state of uh, like despair um, with so much like chaos and disruption that's been going on like since March, since we first uh, kind of received the news that the coronavirus had reached the U.S. and uh, we've seen lock. We've seen lockdowns, and you know, it dragged on into the summer. And uh, it seems like this election is uh, more more heated and and divided than previous elections. Uh, as like a foreigner, as a Canadian living in the U.S., and this is like my first real American election that I've I've really experienced. Um, I can understand why people are so like seem to be like anxious, but uh, really, I feel like my life has been more or less unaffected by everything that's been going on in the sense of the election. Um, but I think more than uh, how much I paid attention to the election and things uh, ramping up as it got closer in November, um, really, the priorities that I value most in life are uh, still generally unaffected like I still have a thriving relationship with Jesus uh, I have a great community of people around me uh, my wife and I are you know healthy all things considered um, 
the only thing that's like really, you know, kind of depressing is uh, I haven't seen my family since last Christmas. And so uh, when we talk about hope, um, putting into like perspective of things that are temporal and things that are eternal, uh, I've come to realize like this season has, has forced me to move from a state of trying to create security in my life and become more uh, dependent upon um, upon God. Like uh, I think of Psalm 23, it's, it's kind of been like one of those passages of scripture that have uh, done a lot of reshaping for my thinking and my mind uh, as to in the midst of chaos, God is still with me and God is enough. Um, and so over the last nine months, that is like, that has provided uh, a lot of hope for uh, what is to come. Uh, because as long as God is with me, um, I have all that I need. And and there's a lot of hope in that. I was thinking back to four years ago um, when I was in Croatia. My wife and I were actually watching the election. And I remember just thinking, oh, Trump's going to lose. Um, that's normal. We all expected Hillary Clinton to win. And all of a sudden, Trump started pulling ahead. And I could actually, you could watch the news anchors um obviously those who wanted hillary clinton to win they actually began to cry some of them were emotionally distraught and they were they were almost in despair because what they thought who they thought was going to to win didn't and on this side of it i i i saw the opposite as i as i was here watching i mean the same people that wanted clinton to win were obviously elated that that biden looked like he was pulling ahead but i saw those who were supporting biden begin to speak out almost in fear like it was a fear of losing um, that that representation in the White House, as they were like the fear of having President Trump leave because they're afraid to lose their rights. They're afraid to lose the the, the control or or the way that they're voting. How does that affect hope, and 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 how are they connected when you're looking at this? Because almost when Trump came in, there was a lot of hope with Christianity, and now that he's leaving, there's there's fear again. Um, are they correlated hope and fear? Good question. Good question. I don't know. Um, I think the opposite of hope is fear. And I can understand why people are fearful, skeptical, concerned about what the next four years will hold. And I think a lot of that has to do with um, anytime I think there's a change in presidency, it brings change. Uh, and if this year has proven anything, um, massive disruption and upheaval of what we find comfortable is not pleasant to the mind or the heart. And I think this is just this election might be the one thing that has kind of pushed people over the edge um, with the level of angst that I think has risen in our country over the last year. This election, I think, has just kind of tipped the scales to the point where people literally have no idea what to do, what to think, what to even feel. Um, and that can take people to a dark place. Yeah, it's interesting because um, I remember somebody said to me one time, 
that it's not necessarily like change that people have a hard time with. It's the loss associated with change that really um, can disrupt like inner peace, I think. And uh, I get that and I understand that. But I also know like what the Bible says about the enemy um, being one to, to sow disunity and discord and confusion and chaos. Um, and honestly, like, I think disappointment is, it's okay to be disappointed, but if this whole political climate right now has really disrupted faith, then perhaps our hope was anchored in the wrong place. Um, to begin with. And I know that's kind of a bold statement that uh, could use some unpacking, but it is this, it's this fascinating day that we're in because ultimately is the church. What we're tasked with is not making like um, Democrat or Republican or libertarian disciples. We're called to make disciples of Jesus. And because of that, the gospel is good news. We literally have the best news ever. So um, I think if our focus, it, it just could be a really good opportunity. Maybe the Lord is realigning uh, the vision and focus of his church. Um, and and if, if we're looking at this honestly, I think it, it's needed. That's an interesting point as you're bringing up that there's, there's hope and there's fear and they're not necessarily on the right topic and and if if it is on the presidential election if that's what gives us hope for our faith in christ perhaps that's in the wrong spot and it's not like it, those are bad things to feel it's not not, not a bad thing to say um you're, you have more hope because there's there's someone that's on your side that's there and that could that could be on either either side of the party line and nor is it a bad thing to say that there's fear as well but it doesn't stop the fact that there still is hope and I like it. I was actually reading um, something from, um, uh, I guess it was on the Bible app. It was one of their little segues that they throw out there. And one of the words was, um, overcoming fear can only be accomplished through faith. And Victoria, you touched on that already, that it's faith that really can carry us through these times that we have fear. And that's, that's a lot of the difference between those of us who rely on Christ and those who don't is we have something in the times of desperation, in the times that we consider darkness, that doesn't have to be so dark. It doesn't have to be bad. There still is hope. There still is goodness because we have Christ. And so if we're beginning to look at this aspect of faith, if that really is the key to hope, then how we live our life today could be different. What, what does that look like? Whether It doesn't matter what side of the election you're on. Well, I think it's important to note, like, what is your faith in? Like, it, you were you were mentioning as we were talking before we started, uh, you referenced Hebrews eleven and how faith uh, is the hope in in what we we believe or long for is the reality of the things that are unseen. And um, as you were mentioning that, I was just kind of reminded uh, to what we had talked about at our student ministry program this past weekend and we looked at Matthew chapter 11 when Jesus says come to me all you who are weary heavy burdened and really burnt out 
and I will give you rest. Uh, take my yoke or uh, my way of living upon you. Adapt my way of life to your life, and it will provide rest for you because my burden is light and my way of living is easy. Um, and I think the reality is like, we talk a lot about the new life that Jesus has come to give. And a lot of times we, and it's not wrong. It's totally right. Jesus did come to give us a new heart and a new mind. He came to bring restoration and forgiveness to all who will call on his name. And it's, uh, that's a beautiful picture of God's love for us. But at the same time, Jesus didn't just intend for us to be restored and be made right with him. He also came to give us a new way of living which is hope because in Jesus's day, people were oppressed by the Roman empire and there was a ton of conflict and they had like the Israelites had been in and out of slavery for their entire existence as a nation. And Jesus said, Hey, come to me. I've got a different way to live because the way that you've been living in this world has been producing the same failure, the same hopelessness, the same despair. And I've come to bring a different way, a better way. And so if I could offer some encouragement uh, to those who will be listening to this, like faith in Jesus produces hope. Like hope is a byproduct of knowing who Jesus is. That's good. And that's really where I was hoping to go for it's just try, trying to kind of go away from the we have to address the fact that there was an election and that's really been impacting people but that doesn't need to be where we're talking about this this topic it doesn't need to even refer to the election at all and so moving forward i think we can all agree that our hope doesn't have to be dependent on those in charge of the country our hope rests in jesus christ right and like it's okay to grieve and to feel loss. And there will be a lot of things that uh, could well change, especially for the church with um, a more liberal administration. Um, and I think it is important to speak up for truth, but also to, while doing that, um, we speak truth in love. And love is the more excellent way. And we should always be offering hope. Um, rather than condemnation. Um, I think that love and giving people hope is really important to our witness. And yes. Yeah, I've actually been seeing several people from our church posting on Facebook about that, saying, look, it doesn't matter who won. We need to pray for them. It doesn't matter who is now in charge. That doesn't change our stance in Christ. And I love seeing that encouragement come through because so far on Facebook, there's a lot of unencouraging things. There's a lot of posts that are full of hopelessness and to have you post things that are full of hope and, and full of Christ is very beneficial, not just to me, but I think, but to our community because they're seeing who Christ really represents. It doesn't do good to create more hopelessness, but man, what can you do by putting that little bit of hope back in there? So thank you for those of you who are sharing those words of encouragement online. Absolutely. Yeah. Thanks. I love it. Uh, Parker, you mentioned uh, Hebrews 11 and I actually read for the first time today in an NLT version. I've usually read it in the NIV for, version and I love the wording of the NLT Hebrews 11 one. It says faith shows the reality of what we hope for. 
It is the evidence of things we cannot see. And then through their faith, the people in the days of old earned a good re- reputation. They earned a reputation um, based on the reality of what they hoped for. I thought that was amazing. It's not just their level of faith. That's not, it has nothing to do with a measure of faith. It had to do with the measure of what they hoped for or who they hoped in as we have Jesus to hope for. And it's amazing that that difference, just that little bit of wording kind of refreshes that whole chapter as we're talking about faith. And also a good reminder for us to say, if we have this faith and if we have a hope in Jesus, that's a whole different measure. And that could sustain us a lot longer than any human possibly could. Or as Parker, as you mentioned, any agenda, just as the, the people of old were looking to push their own agenda. They wanted a king to come take over. They wanted a ruler and rather they got Jesus who came to save them instead, their, their souls. So that's true hope. That's a different hope. And hopefully that's what we can move today talking about a little bit further. And so as we're talking about faith, how can we get faith and hope out to the community now? How can we help share that? Uh, I think a really good uh, testimony to how you can share hope with other people. Um, I think one of the best aspects of my job is seeing uh, high school students come to understand and believe uh, what they've been taught for their entire life. Uh, So when, when they've been told for 17 years that Jesus is the Messiah that he came to save and forgive. Uh, but he also has a divine purpose for your life. And when you believe and trust and hope in Jesus, it does not return void. Um, and so over the last like month, I've seen, been able to see students tell other students, tell their peers like, hey, Jesus has transformed my life. And just this past Sunday, we had a student who said, uh, like, when you have something good happen in your life and it, it does something to change you like for the better, it is something that you, you just want to share. He's like, how could you not want to? Uh, and, and he goes on to say like, this is what Jesus has done for me. And he, he laid it out before uh, his peers. Um, and he's like, here's how the, the gospel that Jesus and his relationship with me has changed me. And, and I want you guys to know that because it has brought so much joy. It has brought peace, as Victoria had mentioned. Like his anxiousness is is uh, you know being, um, I would say in a way healed. Like he's not as anxious as he was even a year ago, and and that's because when Jesus says, "I will give you peace," uh, he does. Like it's a promise that does not return void. And one of the things that I think people need to to understand is you need to start talking about it. Um, and I think it does two things. Um, one, when we talk about things that bring joy or when we celebrate uh, the good things in life, one, we, we experience joy in our own hearts and our own minds. Like we experience gratitude. And I think that that is lacking in a lot of people's um, perceptions of reality is the lack of goodness or the lack of uh, good things happening in life. But two, it also extends joy and gratefulness to others. Um, Coming back to that story, there was a dramatic shift uh, in the perception of people when this student was testifying to the goodness of God. Uh, And I think if 
we really do love Jesus and we really do believe in the hope that he provides, uh, there should be no reason as to why we wouldn't want to share that with other people. There's lots of excuses we can make, but there should, there, I don't think there's one good enough that should keep us silent from sharing the, the hope that Jesus provides with our friends and our family. I think on that note, I don't know if anybody listening to this podcast would have heard this yet, but uh, could you quickly recap what happened two weeks ago in youth service with, all, with the amount of youth um, and what, what happened in that part? <laughs> yeah, so it was October, no, it was November 1st. Uh, so it was just two days before the election. And maybe this is why the election didn't really um, weigh heavily on me because of what the Lord had done in my life just two days beforehand. But we, we were wrapping up a sermon series on really what it means to have a relationship with Jesus. And so we were walking through the gospel uh, and what Jesus had come to do. Uh, and so that night we were talking about uh, the living water when Jesus testifies that I am living water. If you come to me, you will never be thirsty uh, again in John 7. And as we broke off into our small groups, um, our small groups were challenged to respond to what we've been teaching for four weeks to either say yes to following Jesus, that you will no longer live for yourself, but you will live for Jesus and grow in the realities of his presence with you each and every day. Uh, you can recommit for those who would say they believe in Jesus, uh, but have neglected to take their relationship with him seriously. So it's like, uh, let's let's re redo our marriage vows, so to speak, and, and let's take this thing seriously. Uh, or you can sign up to be baptized. And um, I was shocked um, to see what happened. Like we had 26 students respond. That's, that's over 50% of the students that were there that night. Um, that responded. Uh, we had eight people decide to follow Jesus for the first time, uh, which on its own is a miracle. Like on its own is absolutely incredible. Uh, and then we had another 16 uh, say, okay, yeah, I've been, I've been neglecting Jesus and I need to, to get serious again and start taking this uh, more seriously and making it a priority. And so uh, just over the course of the week, messaging these students and their parents, like the joy of the Lord, I feel marked the last week of my life um, because it was incredible. Like, again, in these small groups, it was students testifying to the goodness of God that brought other students to the conclusion that, hey, maybe Jesus offers a better way. Um, and I, I've never seen anything like that um, in all my years of doing camp ministry or uh, being a pastor for the last like two and a half years, uh, it literally has just blown my mind. And I'm so grateful that uh, even in the chaotic year that we are in, God is still in the business of restoration and bringing people to himself. So we had eight people come to Christ, 16 people rededicate and some baptisms on the way. I know there's another child about to be baptized these are things that even just hearing them, I don't know, they give me hope as I'm hearing this. They get me excited because I'm realizing God is working right now. In uh, Romans 10, 17, Paul writes, so faith comes from hearing. That is hearing the good news about Christ. People's faith literally increases when they hear the good news about Christ. And that's whether they're a non-Christian or a Christian. We have 
uh, the, the, the ability to increase their faith just by sharing the good news. And that's something we've been able to do online and in person. Victoria, um, you and I have been working pretty closely trying to get this online, continuing going every week. How has God been working online and how has the hope of Christ been giving that way? Oh man, it's been incredible. Um, just the reach that the Lord has allowed us to have, like we've had people join from other countries. Um, but beyond that, like in our local community, um, we now have people who call framework home, which is like whatever, because they're also professing Jesus as Lord. Like that's the first and foremost, most exciting thing. Um, and with the people that Lord has brought to himself through this season, it's kind of crazy how each of them have unique gifts that um, kind of line up with things the Lord has placed on our hearts as staff. Like there's a, a huge marginalized community here, right? In Aroostook County of migrant workers that uh, have Spanish as their primary language. Um, and to the, to the best of my knowledge, there's no, Spanish speaking church in the area. So um, that's been something that we've been kind of passionate about. I'm gonna kind of toss that one out there in faith. Um, we need Spanish speakers, people who would translate, um, because that's the gospel is good news for everybody. Um, but it's been really encouraging, like the hours that we've spent trying to get the system online really unexpectedly when COVID hit. Um, just the, the way that the Lord has honored that, uh, it's really blessed my heart greatly um, to see the ways that the Lord is faithful to work um, as we are faithful to him. Um, and on the note of faith, real quick, I was just kind of pondering this, like looking at the, uh, the armor of God, uh, the piece of armor that pertains to faith in that is the shield of faith. Uh, and so in the midst of all of the junk that's out there and like the anger and, and the rage uh, that feels to me really heavy and like it berates me and it can bring me down if I'm not careful. The way that we combat that as believers is to testify, right? Say, no, here's what I know about God to be true. And as we begin to testify, that raises up faith and the enemy has to run, right? Um, and so just getting into that discipline of, of testifying to what God has done personally and in our communities and in our families, it is an effective weapon. It's not just this cute idea, um, in revelation, John's vision writes that, uh, we overcome the enemy by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimonies. So to counter the noise that's out there, all these narratives that are hateful and angry and short-fused and turbulent, slow down and testify to the good news and what, what Jesus is doing because transformation is happening. Hope is present and is rising up. Um, and we know that uh, though there may be darkness, it can't overcome the light. So I think that's the way we push back darkness is to combat it with praise. I love that. And um, we, about a month, a little bit over a month ago now, launched the idea of 10,000 testimonies. I know you were just touching on that. 
And the idea of that isn't to try to get you to put another notch on a belt or anything like that. It's really to say, we need to give hope right now to our community in the middle of COVID, in the middle of what's going on in the isolation. Our focus shouldn't be on how's the weather or isn't this a horrible COVID situation or man, I hate wearing masks. And although we may agree with some of those things, um, it's, it has nothing to do with the hope. In fact, our, we, we know that we can increase people's faith by giving them the good news about Christ. And we can do that through our stories, through the various things that God is doing in our life, through the very faith that he is giving us and he's giving us now to, and that hope that we can hold on to. And uh, I had a lady this weekend. She said, well, Jason, I've seen some people that are down. Um, and, you know, I've written them cards and I've sent them a little bit of like a gift certificate with a little note about Jesus. And she's like, does that count? Like, absolutely. So you're spending the time and writing someone a card nowadays is a great way to say Jesus loves you. And she added a little gift certificate in there. That's even better, a blessing on top of all of it. There are so many ways that you can share Christ with people around you, even in the midst of COVID. Because it's not just about, this is what Jesus did for me. It's kind of, this is what Jesus is still doing for me. This is who he is for me right now. And this is who he can be for you. And I love it. Pastor Bud is really good at, at, at sharing these. And today I was really encouraged. I got an envelope from Robin. She handed it to me. She's like, look at this. And there's well over 25 of those I share testimony cards that you dropped in the, the gift. So thank you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Yeah. So there's at least 25 that, that happened just this past week that you dropped in the box. That's not including the onlines that you're going to click this week. And um, I think we're at 135 before I count all this stuff up of people that have shared testimonies that at least let us know if you have it, jump on board and let us know. It's, it's anonymous. We don't know what you've said. We don't know who's actually said it. You're clicking the button not to say, I'm going to put a notch in my belt, but to say, I was able to share faith. I was able to expand someone's faith in Jesus Christ. We're making an impact as a church in our community. And we have a responsibility for that. We know we do. So I want to actually talk more about that idea. Um, what are some more ideas? We had this lady writing letters. What are some ideas that we can do to share our faith, to give more hope? Parker, as you've been sharing your testimonies and, and, and Victoria, you were just sharing what was happening online. What else can we do guys other than share some of that stuff? I think like just asking the Lord to give you eyes to see people or to lay people on your hearts. Like it's amazing how, how that will happen. Just having eyes to see where you can be in need. Um, but it doesn't have to be complicated. Just the other day, I had a shirt on that had the lyrics to one of the songs that we sing here, Simple. And it just said, it's really that simple. And the woman working at the counter was like, oh, I like your shirt. What does it mean? So uh, I just get to share with her about Jesus um, and how simple his love is that we just have to receive it. Um, and she didn't like make a commitment for Christ. I don't even know if she may already be a follower of Jesus. Uh, but it's still making the most of those opportunities. Um, it can be sim as simple as like getting somebody a coffee, like to bless them. It doesn't always have to be, well, have you heard about our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ? While that is important, uh, and you may have those opportunities, sharing the gospel doesn't have to be hard and it doesn't have to be complicated. Um, we are 
that's literally like what Jesus tasked his church with as, as we've talked about here, go and make disciples. Um, but I think we've kind of made it this big complex thing that it doesn't have to be. So that's why I love this 10,000 testimonies. I think it takes a lot of the complexity out of it. And we're going to have some cool initiatives actually as the holiday season ramps up. Stay tuned for that on our Facebook page. Um, spoiler alert. Yeah. Spoiler. Uh, it's, I'm excited about it because what would it look like is if we as a church of however many people call framework home, just got out and, and loved our community um, and, and, like set resolve to be a blessing and to be hope bearers. I'm stoked about it. And like to tee off of that, I, I feel like in order to tell somebody about what is good about Jesus, we first need to know what is good about Jesus. Um, and so one of the practices that I've been attempting to be committed with uh, in this season is to simply write down all that God is doing in my life. Um, and that's something that I've always been really bad at. And that's why sometimes I, I miss like what God is doing presently. Um, and what this has done for me is this allows me to see that, Oh uh, yes, there is a lot that I could be afraid of. There's a lot of uncertainty uh, I really have no control over my life right now. It's been completely thrown up in the air and I have no idea when my life is going to come back down to the earth. Um, I'm just kind of like looking up and waiting is what it feels like. Uh, but by writing down what Jesus has done in my life to bring me to where I am today, what he has done in this season, the people that he has blessed me with around me uh, and really what I believe he's able to do in the future. Uh, this produces hope and faith in me, like you both have said earlier. But then when I have the opportunity to talk to somebody about this, I don't have to be worried about saying the right things or the wrong things, because I already know what Jesus has done. And I understand that in me. Uh, and so it's easier to explain that to other people. And um, one of the things that I, I think would be important for people to understand is um, we're not looking to see people evangelize other people to become Christians 10,000 times. We're simply wanting people to share the hope of Jesus as much as possible. We've set a goal for 10,000, but really we should be proclaimers and voices of hope in Jesus for every day for the rest of our days. Um, and once it becomes a habit, it like really every time you do it, it gets easier. I think you hit it, Parker. That, that idea of 10,000 isn't really for 10,000. It's to create habits in our life and in our church. I think if we, when we get to 10,000, our church is going to be so used to sharing the hope. It's just going to be a natural extension of who we are. And that's really the, the goal is not, I don't really care about the number 10,000. What I do care is that our church is out there doing it, and we are doing it. It part of that, as we were uh, when we were overseas, we we try to often share Christ with people in some ways. Um, but one of the things we always tried to do, no matter what, was be in their life. It didn't matter how 
we shared the gospel, if we were in their life, they, they were able to see Jesus in that way. And so we spent more, most of our time trying to find unique ways to get into the lives of people around us. And, and that we found the most successful way to share Christ because they were able just to see Christ through our faith. And then we're able to share eventually some of the gospel with them and some, some of the hope that he has with us because we're already, they already got to know us. And so they, when hard things happened, they noticed. They noticed our hope. They noticed our faith. And they saw how we reacted because our hope wasn't in our situations. It was in the Lord Jesus Christ. All that matters. And so there's so many ways that we can be in the lives of people. Parker, I know you play hockey. Victoria, you're constantly out running around. <laughs> you have a really good way of getting in community with people. And there are other ways. It's kind of, what do you like to do? Um, are, are you a musician? Are you a hunter? Are around here, are you a farmer? Are you going to be out picking potatoes? Um, it's not, you don't have to do something extra. Just do what you like to do. Just be, very con- just be very conscientious of who's there with you. And God will do the rest. Yeah, one of my favorite passages on this, and it's, you've probably heard me say it before, if you've listened to me preach or anything. Ephesians 2.10, Paul writes that we're Christ's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good work, which he prepared in advance for us to do. So like it takes the onus off of us in the sense that it doesn't have to be like, oh my word, like what am I going to do? I do trust that the Lord, if we have eyes to see to partner with him and where he's moving, um, it's amazing the opportunities that will come across uh, that you may not even expect. Um, I think with that too, just having the expectation and the like okayness, if you will, to be interrupted. That's been something that I have had to discipline myself to do, and I do not do it well. I don't like when my plans are messed up. Um, but if that's going to be something that the Lord is going to use to uh, point somebody to Him, then I'm all right with, well, I, I should be all right with being interrupted. So that's something that we're kind of walking through right now. And um, I want, to hear people's stories about this 10,000 testimonies. Like, and I know we have people who call framework home who do this so well, like even better than I do. Um, so to hear story of stories of that, it'll get you jazzed up and excited and encouraged to go out um, and, and do it. And you don't have to be the superstar person. Um, that, like I, there are times I hear people in our church that are sharing their testimonies and their stories. And I would get a little jealous because I'm like, they're doing it so well. How do they have that courage just to go out there and do that? And uh, you know, we're, we're pastors here, but we struggle with these things too. We're human. And, um, and yet there's a realization that God is going to use me where he needs me to be as long as I'm open to be used when the time is right. And it's more about that. He's going to use your gifting, your skills, whoever you are, right now as long as you're open to be used so i like the segue you threw in there victoria about december coming up that's going to be great we're going to try to help and give you some practical ways in december and how to be part of this ten thousand testimonies thing a little more intentionally in our community um and and this whole idea about faith and hope relying on jesus 
but there are still times when faith and hope dwindles. And one of the things I have found in this season of COVID that has helped me are, is, is my community. I've actually been, had times where I've really struggled with both faith and hope. And sometimes it's my wife that will, will step up and correct me. Sometimes I have to correct her. But other times it's my community members that will say, hey, what's going on? And, and then they share the gospel of Christ with me again, you know, <laughs> and not, not so much a salvation message, but they remind me who Jesus is in the midst of all this. And in that, I get hope again. And so there's such a value in community to hold, to, hold, to maintain hope and faith. Um, what have been your experiences with community? Uh, so I was, I was just thinking, uh, as you and Victoria were sharing on like how, how we can be, you know, out sharing the hope of Jesus. And I almost feel like uh, if people haven't made it a habit before to testify to God's goodness and share that with other people, I, I feel like an easy way to, to make that a natural part of your um, conversations with others, like talking about Jesus and his goodness, um, is to do it in community. Um, I think it's a lie for people to think that we have to do evangelism or share faith or be a Christian on our own. Uh, I don't think Jesus ever intended that. I think um, when he sent the 72 disciples out in pairs, that was a, uh, a strategic move on his part uh, for multiple reasons. Uh, there have been times when I've been sharing my faith on the street with other people with friends beside me and there is a level of comfort and confidence that comes when I am with like-minded people sharing the hope of Jesus. But in my experience with community, uh, that is where I feel most comfortable to share my faith, uh, around a table with people in the same room, typically eating food because, well, I love food. Uh, and I find it just becomes so easy to share my life and my experience with Jesus and what he's done, what he can do and what he offers uh, to do in other people's lives around a table. Uh, it, to me, it, it's comforting. Uh, it's easier to be vulnerable. I don't feel so much afraid to do, uh, to do that kind of stuff, mainly because there's other people around me. Um, at the very least, my wife who is uh, just a passionate follower of Jesus and has a deep love for the Lord. Um, and most times I've got four or five friends that also love Jesus. And so sharing that with one person or three people who don't typically or wouldn't call themselves a follower of Jesus makes it really easy when you're not alone. Yeah, for sure. I think that um, Jesus has been super kind for to me in this season, um, I just moved back to the county over about two and a half years ago now. And um, it really wasn't until March that I feel like I allowed myself to be surrounded by community in the sense that I, I'm not typically one um, who's super trusting of people. Um, but I know that in order for me to really grow deeper with Jesus, I need to be vulnerable with people um, who also love him and make the space for them to call out areas um, in my life or to affirm areas in my life that they see the Lord working. Um, and so since March, 
the Lord has just been uh, allowing me to, to find community. And it's been hard. Like it's taken work on my part to make sacrifices, um, to be committed. I'm, I do tend to be more introverted. So I'm content to be home with my dog, like reading a book or playing a video game or something. Uh, but when you make the commitment and the sacrifice to be a part of a community, the blessings that will come with that, um, it's, it's kind of hard to articulate like how rich that has been. But I think that surrounding myself with people who point me to Jesus has been incredibly important to my own spiritual growth and formation um, and accountability as a pastor. And this, like I said, this hasn't been something that I've, necessarily done super well in the past um but even lately the past month the lord has just really been putting it on my heart to pray about things first i like to talk about things um and i find myself when i talk about things i start speaking a negative narrative uh and that steals hope and that steals joy uh, and so i'm on this like journey of repentance <laughs> uh Lord, I've not done this well. Help me to do it better. But it's crazy. I just last week had a, a powerful time of prayer with my community. And we saw the Lord answer like five prayers within a span of like 48 hours. And I was like, oh my word, God answers prayer. This is so cool. Uh, like I forget that sometimes, you know what I mean? Um, it's, it's wild, but community is so important and jesus was in community right like he surrounded himself with a group of 12 and then specifically he had three that he was purposefully investing in um so to be christ-like get in community and on top of that one of the other great ways to share hope is actually sharing those answered prayers with other people you know if if you're ill and you've prayed for healing and all of a sudden you're feeling better and someone asks you how are you doing today knowing that you were sick well you can give that attribute to christ you don't have to try to hold it in you know if you if you're praying for a decision to be made and the next day that decision gets made it's probably not coincidence you prayed for it god answers you know you can tell people that they're not going to think you're crazy that you've prayed and god answers enough times of that happening they're going to catch on that god is real <laughs> and so give god the attribute for answering those prayers, give him the glory and the praise that counts as a testimony because it's been a testament to who God is. Your job is to be a witness here on earth of what God is doing. And, uh, that's, that's who we are in Christ because we get to see that in a unique way that the rest of the world doesn't. And so rather than being a light or a darkness or a negative word of what you don't like about the world, you can, you can flip that around and turn it into what you do like about Jesus. And people are going to be attracted to that more than they're going to be attracted to the negative things you say, but what you don't want to see. Yeah. And what I'm learning too, just on the negative and the positive stuff, it's okay to feel negative emotions, but the best place to deal with those negative emotions and to hash those out is like with the Lord. And so for me, I've tried to make a discipline every night of journaling kind of prayers or just writing what's on my brain and on my heart, but allowing the Lord to come into that space. Um, because processing those emotions with him and then allowing him to deal with them always makes me feel better and kind of clears my heart and, and clears my mind. And that in and of itself is a testimony. 
really. And like one thing I would like to point out to that, that I've been learning in the last uh, few months, Victoria, is uh, you can't have a good spiritual life with Jesus without a healthy emotional life. Um, and I think there's this common teaching that no one intentionally sets out to do, but we take the, the line in scripture from Proverbs that says, don't follow your feelings and don't follow your heart because your feelings are fickle and they will just lead you to destruction. And while I think that's true, feelings are fleeting. Uh, they're also an indicator of where you're at. Um, and I've come to realize if I'm angry, I should not be going down the, the road of following after my anger, but to address and understand, okay, why am I angry? There's a reason why I'm angry. I can't just stuff it down. I can't just ignore it because it's there. It's real. It's a part of who I am. Um, and I, I have found that understanding that has moving to a place of a better emotional health in the last three months has directly influenced my spiritual health with Jesus. And in turn, coming back to Hebrews 11, Jason, that has built hope into my life. My perspective on the world has changed because I'm seeing things differently because I'm thinking differently. My emotions are different. They're more holistic and they're, and I'm in a healthy place. Um, now that's like not to brag because before I got to this healthy place, uh, like three months ago, I was in a really bad head space, heart space. I did not like a lot of things. I felt aimless. Really. I felt hopeless. Um, and so the road back to hopeful, uh, it's been long. It hasn't been easy. And I don't think I've fully arrived yet, but Jesus is good. Um, and I'm reminded of the line in Exodus 33, when God defines his own character and he says, I am gracious and compassionate. I'm slow to anger and abounding in love. And I give forgiveness from generation to generation. Uh, realizing that God's default uh, characteristic to me is mercy and love. Uh, yeah. When Paul says love covers a multitude of sins, it really does. And it, it can help walk us back from utter darkness and despair to, to the light and hope of Jesus. And that seems like a pretty good ending point. Um, cause at the end of it, it all comes back to faith and hope. And in spite of everything that happened this week, we can reread, as you mentioned, Parker Hebrews one eleven, or 11 verse one, which says faith shows us the reality of what we hope for. And so I guess the question we're going to leave you guys with is where does your hope lie? Who does it lie in? And uh, maybe it's time to spend some, spend some time in prayer and really ask God, what have you been placing your hope in or where is your hope placed? And then think through, how can I share that with people around me? So thank you for listening in. Thank you for letting us be part of this and uh, spending some time listening to us. We're so blessed that we have this opportunity to share with you. Uh, look for these a little bit more often that we've been putting them out. We're hoping to get them out a little more frequently. And with that, I think we're going to say goodbye. Bye. Bye.